This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. It is all of us on the mics tonight as we discuss the Ducks going to the playoffs this I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the monumental <laughs> letdown of what the season has been uh, with some good things. We have plenty of stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, go up and down through everybody's predictions from the beginning of this season, which was great to go look and you know look back on and see how right nobody was. And uh, basically talk about what we think about the next season coming up and grade the players. So have we ever done all four of us on a show that wasn't a Patreon show, boys? I don't think so. Uh, this, well, the season, the the, the first show, we were the one we're talking about, the preview we did. Oh, so we never did a post game show with the four of us. So that's the only one. It's impossible. No one could do it. Yeah. Well, we only have three video slots in the stream, so it does look pretty awkward with the, the four of us up here. You did say slots, right? <laughs> Beavis and Butthead <laughs> reference. So. Are you guys pretty excited uh, that the playoffs are starting and we don't have anyone to root for? I kind of am. And I'm also kind of rooting for a team either, like, also. So, just it's nice not to stress every night about watching a game. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to know that I'll actually get to watch and enjoy a game instead of just sitting there waiting for it to end poorly and me to be sad for the rest of the night. So, yeah, I'm... I'm very excited about that. I'm trying to find positives. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see the first round because that's usually when people just start to beat the crap out of each other. Uh, <laughs> and then things get a little bit more um, hockey-oriented and more skilled. Uh, I don't know. If I don't have a, a, a real team that I'm all that passionate about going into it, I mean, it's still nice. It's playoff hockey. Can't beat that. But there's always that little bit that just wishes I had someone to really root for. Yeah, like the Islanders? No. Oh. <laughs> did they even make the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. They're no. playing of course they the did. Penguins. Oh, of course they did. That's good. That's great. I know I'm not rooting for. I could, I could give you a handful of teams on that. Uh, what a weird season too with COVID. That's like the second season in a row we've had to you know deal with this, and obviously this is nothing compared to what the rest the rest of the world has to deal with when it comes to everything else. But sports is pretty small, but. Still weird doing uh, a season in the middle like this and going like, I don't know. I don't think any of you guys went to games. Obviously, Eddie didn't go, but weird going to games. Hopefully going into next season. I know in playoffs, a lot of uh, arenas are opening up, bringing the fan excitement in. I know some arenas are like doubling the capacity from what it is right now, what they're allowing us. I think that's going to bring a cool aspect when you start watching games on TV or if you're actually lucky enough to go to some of them. So I think that's got to be cool and bring some excitement back to the sport. 
Yeah, everybody but the North Division, right? I don't, I don't think. Uh, Boring. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the Leafs are going to steamroll that division anyway. Yeah. It's just like mostly, the NHL wanted. Yeah, mostly because it's the beer league. I mean, come on. Oh God. Man. We'd all agree though that them getting swept by Winnipeg is the funniest possible. That was Montreal. Yeah. I'm getting swept by Montreal is the funniest possible outcome just because we'll have to hear about fucking Carey Price for, you know, two weeks about how he's the chosen one. <laughs> he was only good for two seasons, I feel like. He he was good for a few. The problem is he was never good at the same time the team was good. He was never good. <laughs> Fair point. I all Fair hate point. Carey Price so much. He's not no, that I, like I think he's great. I don't think that team's ever been good. He's not oh, good. you're talking about the Montreal. Yeah, Montreal's never been good. They were, they were good when the rest of the Eastern Conference was bad. The 90s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you guys want to get to our season preview show predictions that we all started at the beginning of the year with and kind of look at how bad they were? Because it's kind of fun to go back. Steven, thanks a for putting that together, preview by the way. of our season preview. Oh, I like that. <laughs> mm. There it is. <laughs> Someone get this guy into marketing. Let's Thank go. Thank you, Beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Homer quote. Some of these, some of these are just great because, like most, most of them, most, but it's mostly great because Pats are so bad in so many areas. I did it that way. Um, I did it that way. Keith had something to yell at me about. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, he'll yell at you anyway. So I don't think I was that far off on all of them. What are you talking about? Let's let's go yeah. with the first one. I was extremely wrong about for sure. <laughs> I wasn't that far off, but the first one. Just the first. There's only four, <laughs> and I don't think one. I was that far off. I think this is the only one where, and everyone called me out on it too. It's not going to happen. But uh, over under twenty goals for Raquel. What he finished the season with, like six, nine, nine. Hmm. Almost broke double digits. <laughs> he almost got there. He almost got there. If it wasn't, it wasn't for uh, what's his face tripping him. What was it, Clifford? Yeah, taking he his head out. Told, yeah. He totally could have got twenty. Nine goals, nineteen assists, assists twenty-eight points. Not a good season for Raquel. But you guys, I mean, Stevens was worse, too, said that he was going to get the over and get traded. That He had some sort of faith in Bob Murray. No, no, no. He was, was going to get the over if yeah. he gets traded. There's no if. It's just after. over after getting traded. After yeah. getting traded. Exactly. So if he got traded, he would have hit the over. But he didn't get he did. traded, so then it's no, just no. Oh, I like, I like how you get the extra there. <laughs> if. There's I, yeah, no I, if. I like they that. cheated a little bit. Yeah, I did. We didn't catch it early. Good job, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all hey, we all figured he was going to get traded. Uh, I did. Well, I, I got it right. <laughs> I got it. I didn't yeah. think he. I mean, I thought he would have done way more than nine, but I just didn't think a shortened season and given the Ducks team that he would actually get over. So I might have said under an eighty-two game season. <laughs> like, he's just not not proving it, and on this team, right? Like a. There was no way he was hitting 20 in, in 56 games. I would have loved it if he did. I just, there was no way. Like, the, the teams that he scored 30-plus in, uh, are, there's no comparison. And we're only talking about a th- couple of years ago, three or four years ago. Those teams compared to the team now, is it, it's night and day. I think, I, I think you could talk me into a situation in where he hit 20 and 56, but I, I think what it would require 
uh, is something that we'll never see in our lifetime, which is a functional power play. Because, um, you know, if if the power play was good, uh, he probably could have potted an extra five or six goals, I think, easy, which, you know, maybe he scores a couple of a couple more power play goals. And, you know, now maybe he's a little bit more confident and, you know, just playing a little bit better. And because, I mean, you know, goal scorers are mental and streaky and all that stuff. So, you know, it's it's not out of the question that, you know, he could have a couple of extra two goal games. Well, wouldn't you argue that if the Ducks would have kept up Zegers from the beginning or near like earlier in the season, just kept him there, the power play would have been far better and there would have been much more of a chance of them clicking early on rather than just off and on. It felt like when the power play looked dangerous and there wasn't, I mean, none of the guys could score power play goals to save their life. But I feel like you put the creative guys out there with people who could score, you're just going to get a better result. And I felt like the Ducks just didn't do that often enough. There are lineup changes we'll get to later with our grades, but I mean, just, I think that has a huge effect on the power play. Yeah, but I, I do think, you know, we've, you know, we've had like 10 years now of the Ducks power play just significantly underperforming except for a handful of opportunity, a handful of seasons. I think they finished above league average three times in the last 10 years. You know, I, I don't know what it is. But it's absolutely not talent. I don't think, you know, over that stretch, this team has wanted for talent, at least not, you know, talent that just you just need five guys to throw out there. So I think um, I don't know what it is. It's almost like there's something in the water or something like that. But I just think the degree to which talent doesn't seem to matter for improving the Ducks power play. Um, is ridiculous. I think there is a benefit to having Dreesdale and Zegris. Jesus because Christ. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, they're they're so different stylistically. They came up in a completely different era of hockey. Like so I, I really do think that, you know, having them up might have helped a little bit, but I also don't know that mm it would be a big difference in their first year in the league. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Steven took it up. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, power play's bad. It's getting better. Um, Raquel could probably be in on that, and Zegris will probably help that in the future. Yeah. Dave said if Raquel had a sweater and a buzz cut, he'd get 20 goals this year. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Steven. Uh, but... What a- uh, Go ahead. Ed. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, what was the question if Zegers was up for the entire year with the power play? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if Zegers and Drysdale were playing majority of the season here in Anaheim, there would have been much more time for creativity to click. I just felt like it was not often enough to get a result. Yeah, I, I think it would be slightly better, or it would just like, at least look better. Like, I, I don't think their production think on the broken. power play... Yeah, like, their production on the power play when Zegers was up and when he was at center... Like, the actual production didn't go up. Like, it just looked better because Zegers makes the power play look better when everything's going through him. And Drysdale looked good on the power play for sure. But, uh, I mean, those two alone in their rookie years, I don't think we're going to change much. Like, you maybe go from the 31st ranked power play to 29th. You get a few more goals here and there and, and bump it up a little bit. But I don't, I don't think those two guys alone in their first year – 
even if Zegers was playing, you know, all 56 games at center this year, I don't, I don't think it was going to make that much of a difference. They, the, the Ducks' power play structure-wise isn't great, and then the personnel they have now, it, it, it just doesn't work. I, I I think it's a thing that's about to turn the corner, honestly. Just the fact that they even look exciting versus just, you know, hey, it's a plus that they even get it in the zone and they get the puck back. Uh, I mean, that's already kind of that step up. And they've been close a lot of the time through through that power play, I would say, ever since Zegris came back up. And I feel like they were they were getting there. It just doesn't, wasn't just quite clicking. And I think if they, they had done that maybe longer, that that little bit of – time that they could have um, built that chemistry might have worked out a little bit better but now I feel like this is something to step off of starting next season and you start seeing a much better or at least a more competent power play moving forward just so you guys know Ricard Raquel did not have a single power play goal there were only seven guys who scored a power play goal this year for the Ducks and, and that's why the Ducks Ryan, are re-signing Ryan Getzloff. Yeah, and he led them with three whole power play goals. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, not a, not a lot of weapons there. Um, that really makes a difference. Well, Chad Kirk will help. Oh, yeah. we'll get to him. That was my favorite part of going and listening to that uh, season preview. Like, oh, yeah, Chad Kirk's going to going to really help. That's why they brought him here. That's what I thought. That's why we don't need Christian Juice, because Kevin Shattuck took his job on the power play, and he's going to be the (laughs) the main guy. Yeah, that worked out well. Did I mention Christian Juice, too? Did you mention Christian Juice? Yeah, did I? No. Okay, good. I mean, we all talked about it in just so much as it wasn't going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> and it was, uh, or it seemed like it. Yeah, yeah that's it. Right it. That's exactly what it was. Waivers. And that's now he's thing. playing in Switzerland next year. Of course. So, big, big time NHL player there that we lost. Let's talk <laughs> about Steven's <laughs> favorite prediction, though. Through 20 games, what would the record be? Steven yep. is the only one who got a ride at 6, 10, and 4. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. They have the red on the head. Came down to the last game. Yeah. Didn't the Ducks come back in that game two and force overtime and then lost in, the, in like yeah. an overtime or shootout yeah. to get you the win there? Yeah, typical fashion. Perfect. <laughs> Whatever I, he needs know, to win. Yeah. I just uh, I want to thank the team uh, for coming through for me <laughs> like that. I, uh, I I know that they had uh, wanted to win that game, but they took one for me, and I, I appreciate that, and that's why they're my favorite. Yeah, so they went to overtime, and they're like, listen, guys, we could totally get another point, but let's do it for Steven. <laughs> then, like, half of them are like, wait, does he spell it with a V or a PH? Or an F. Is he, it's uh, actually two Fs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two Fs. Like, F that dude. And then they lost anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful. They tried to win, but they lost. And, yeah. I mean, in the, the standings, we weren't all that far off, except I think I, I was, picked Anaheim too high. Oh, in the standings? Yeah. You yeah. mean like in, oh, in our Here's actual rankings? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you said for 20 games, you had 5, 13, and 2. You had them as the worst start out of all four of our predictions. But you and Ed both had them making the playoffs. Miracles <laughs> happened, dude. Okay, um, yeah. They were 8, 8, and 4 in my yeah. predictions. Like 5, 13, and 2 is a far cry off 8, 8. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, out of the two people. Who I mean, yeah. 5, 13, and 2 is not too far from 6, 10, and 4. Let's just be real there. I, I, I listened to And the yet they're not the same. Again. How weird is that? Mm. And yet they're <laughs> different. 
I hyped up the Minnesota Wild so much, and then I still picked the Ducks over <laughs> the Wild. I know. God damn. Well, I think we all had three because there's the three obvious teams, even though St. Louis kind of squeaked in, but we all had Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis. Um, three of us had the correct team after Colorado just won tonight. So Colorado <sighs> tops the division. Uh, yes. Pat and Jay both had Colorado and Vegas as 1-2. Steven had both of them as 1-2, but he hadn't flipped, so it doesn't count. And uh, <laughs> I had St. Louis as 2 and Vegas as 3. And then the three of you guys also had St. Louis as number 3. Basically where it varied was the fourth team. Jay had Arizona, which didn't happen. Pat and I had Anaheim, which also didn't happen. And Steven was the only one who got, I guess, the fourth team correct, the top four with Minnesota. Uh, Wait, I was the only one who got all four teams from the West. Yeah, Weird. The only, yeah, the only one who got all. But your order, your order was just completely messed up. Yeah. None, yeah. Of None, of <laughs> None of it was right. It's all wrong. Just relax here. Sports. You didn't. You didn't get and it. I, right. and, I, and I like that his last pick was Anaheim and Kings, but he didn't. What did he not pick? Because it was a, a I, little. Slasher. I literally just said like they'll finish the within three points of each other for last, which didn't happen. The Ducks lost by oh, what so wrong, eight yeah. points to Anna uh, to the Kings. In the standing, yeah, San Jose finished second last in division, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my favorite is the highest scoring defenseman in four because the guy that I picked was the least like favorable player on this team in many people's eyes, and that would be yeah. Sam Steele. <laughs> yeah, close. Very I don't know what close. drugs I was on when I picked that. I, I I was joking with Ed and Steve the other night, and I said uh, I think I picked it. I thought he was going to score the most goals with other people's equipment. Because I think that's the only thing he did this season correctly. Yeah. Well, technically, if you, if you count the deflections off of him into our own net, he probably did score the most amount of goals in games we played. True. <laughs> yeah, I he was the last one to touch a lot of bucks before they went in. Technically, we were all wrong, but Jason was the most right because he just didn't say anybody. Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one who didn't give a prediction. That's so go. weird. <laughs> zero goals for 56 games. Eddie, you were the closest, no? Because you picked Enrique. Yeah, yeah. Which is second, uh, fourth, or third fourth? leading scorer for forwards, but fourth overall yeah. on the team. Who was in front of him? Comtois and Raquel. Oh, Raquel, right? Yeah. Oh, had nine. Wasn't there somebody else who was like Fowler? Right up with? Had Fowler, Fowler up there. But... Yeah, and only the only one, the only one who had anything correct here was Pat because he had Fowler as uh, as his top scoring D. Stephen right. had Lindholm and Jay and I had Shattenkirk, which <laughs> did not, uh, yeah, did not pan out. Yeah, uh, when he good. scored like, goals too, like no it. one knew he scored. It felt like like no one realized Shattenkirk scored goals when he did. It was all floaters from the blue line. Uh, the first one he had, you knew he scored because I think it was yeah. coming down the right wing and he shot it and went in. I don't I remember. I exactly. think it's because they, they read his name when, they, when he shot it. That's the only reason why he knew he scored. Yeah. Probably hit Sam Steele. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Lindholm could have done it. He had six, what, six points in 18 games? He might have been able to, to challenge Fowler for 23 or whatever Fowler had. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. The best Sorry, defensive defenseman like on the team was going to drive points. Uh, I'm thinking here goals. I thought Henry was second in goals. Yeah, uh, Henrik was, was second. Okay. Uh, all right. yeah. uh, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, we're talking points here. But uh, who would have thought Henrik would have had more goals this season than Ricard Raquel? That's kind of strange. I mean, I don't know. Didn't you know last year uh, Adam Henrik was the only good player on the team? 
Yep. Every, side, he was the leading scorer on a terrible team last year. Leading goal scorer, leading point getter, and everybody was so excited. Did he Who say that? He did he say that in his own press conference on his exit interview? How do you feel about the yeah, team? Yeah. I'm with Ricard Raquel. I think we're really close to winning. You know, I talked to <laughs> Ricard Raquel speaking. I talked to Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel thinks we're doing good. <laughs> I think Bob Murray is an excellent GM. I like my job. <laughs> Please trade me. I am just here so I don't get fired. Do you see the screaming behind his eyes? Help. <laughs> so get me bad. out. Yeah. I love this fun quote section that I'm assuming Steven put together. <laughs> that picked up, of course, a quote where I said, I don't think the Ducks are the worst team in the division. <laughs> Mine was the best. I just went and listened back to it because I was like, well, let's see what we said and see how much of it we all got wrong, which is going to be most of it. And that, that quote just jumped out like, I mean, I don't think they're the worst team in the division, but and I was like, oh, we missed so bad. Yeah, it looks so think, bad now. Do you think they heard, the team heard that? It's like, oh, Challenge accepted. Yes, yeah. we're going to make this Canadian look That's bad. exactly what Bob Murray based his win now comments off of. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Not the worst team in the division. Dude. Ed said so. All right. We're not rebuilding, everyone. Ed said so. Yeah. You also heard Pat say Shattenkirk's going to be great. Yeah. And just feel That's why he signed a three-year deal. Screw everybody last season who didn't want this team to tank. Screw all of them. Because this season, they're like, oh, well, we're so close to the highest percentage chance of getting the first pick. We're so close this year. We should go think, oh, we're losing. No one was on this train last year. I mean, not nobody, but not many were on this train. Like, oh, no, no, I don't want them to tank. I don't want them to win. Like, I want to score goals. I don't want them to tank. And last year's draft would have probably been the best time to tank rather than this year. And that's what we've been talking about forever. So it's Here's just my funny question. about that. We did they tank or how, did we screw that? how did we screw last year up? Well, they didn't screw it up, but they didn't really try to get a higher pick. They got outside the top five. They would have got yeah, someone better fell, than Drysdale. They fell two spots, didn't they? Yeah, they were at fourth best odds, and they fell two spots. So yeah, they, they got could... jumped by. Nobody San wanted them. Jose nobody. Pick. My point is, nobody wanted LA. them to tank until this until this season when the season was so unwatchable with eleven regulation wins. Jesus Christ! I felt like I was in like nineteen ninety nine watching this team. Like that's early two thousands. We just watched this game. You're like, oh yeah, we're gonna lose nine to two today. That's good. <laughs> I mean, there was a time when people gave out free tickets in front of Honda Center because nobody would go. <laughs> if not for COVID, that might have been the same thing this year. <laughs> now, no, we can just go. Yeah, now you're not allowed to go, and you, can, you certainly can't no, have a beer. <laughs> what was your question, Stephen? I, I, I guess my, my the thing I was just thinking about tanking last year. Like, do we think who do we think Bob Murray picks if he has first overall pick? I don't know prospects. You guys go. <laughs> I, like I, I just. He's such an old school hockey guy that if he gets first overall, I, just, I, just, I love the the commitment there. Uh, I, I I can't see him passing up on on Owen Power. No no no, uh, no, 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 last season. Oh, last year. Last year. Oh. oh, last year he would have taken Lafreniere. Uh, Lafreniere. Yeah, yeah. Are we it's sure he wouldn't have taken Byfield or Byfield? Either yeah. one. I would have taken Byfield I honestly. I would have taken Byfield over Lackey too. I yeah, I, I still think who's the highest drafted defenseman? Uh, that was Jake Sanderson, Jake Sanderson who the, who got picked. And before if he Drysdale. was there at six, we would have had <laughs> Jake Sanderson. There's nothing wrong with Jake Sanderson. He's still going to be a good player, but we. That's fine, but who's 
who's better, would you say? Well, Between Jake Sanderson's American, oh, so Jamie Drysdale. Is, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was better right. in in the draft too. I don't know what Ottawa was thinking, but okay. I still think he probably would have gone Drysdale. I mean, you know, what? I take it back. If Lafreniere's there, then I guess you just grab him. But you wouldn't yeah. take Quentin Byfield first overall. Like that kid is a monster. He's going to be so good. Well, if you're Bob Murray, no, you take a defenseman. He's ex- he's like he's like what you would you take eight defensemen, make a last draft pick a center or something. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, he I, wants to replace Getzloff, but Byfield I was is that say, guy. If you That's put Zegris, Zegris and Byfield right down the middle, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, I, I think outside of uh, outside of him having a top two pick, I think he could have taken a defenseman at three. Like I think he honestly could have passed up on Tim Stutzel and taken a defenseman. And like, like if he had a top two, he was taking either, you know, Lafreniere first, or if he's at second, whoever's left. Like what the Kings did, right? They just took the whoever didn't get yeah. taken first overall. So I I I think if he had one or two, he was getting one of those guys. But if he if the Ducks had to finish like anywhere well, where they were at or as high as three, I think he could have taken Sanderson or Drysdale. I don't know honestly. Like I don't know who he had higher. I remember the comments after the draft. He said, like, no matter what, that that pick, they wanted to take a defenseman, and, like, Jamie Drysdale was the only one available. But it seemed like he they might have been leaning towards Jake Sanderson, and then he went. And just knowing how the Ducks have drafted lately, where they kind of been, have been heading to the NCAA a lot, I, I think Jake Sanderson could have been the guy. And I think Jake Sanderson, of, yeah. I think Jake Sanderson is definitely more of a Murray guy. He's a big guy. He's a good skater. And he plays a physical game. You know, I don't think the offensive upside is there, obviously. Um, but I, I do think he's going to be a good top four NHL defender. I just don't know that his, his upside is anywhere near as high as Drysdale. I, I just don't like if you're Ottawa, why didn't you? Why would you not take Jamie Drysdale and play him with Thomas Shabbat instead of you take Jake Sanderson? And like, yeah, sh- cool. It's great having because they really wanted Josh, Man- Josh Manson on their team, so yeah. they took Jake Sanderson. What? So they could go out and get Josh Manson later? Like, what? <laughs> well, that's what Jake Sanderson's going to be, is Josh Manson. That's how good he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it. except he can skate. <laughs> how dare you, sir? I love Josh. But every time he ends up on a rush, he looks like a drunken elk. It's so funny, man. You say <laughs> elk or elk? Elk. Both. Oh. <laughs> well, you guys want to get to the forward grades as a group, and then uh, MVP, LVP? Yeah, Ooh. let's grade this team that had the league worst power play and like the, I don't know what is it the fourth worst offense. Jesus, yeah, <laughs> so forwards. Yeah. Is there, what's below F minus? F minus. Interesting. So you gave them J F minus. Oh, sorry, they were the worst offense, so they get an F from me yeah, outside of maximum every year. There's no way I can't give them anything other than F. They were literally statistically the worst offensive group in the league. It's all Dallas. Worst, pa- worst power play, worst a- any sort of offensive category, they sucked. I mean, yeah. they're the worst. Uh, how do you not give them an F? I gave them an F plus. Okay. <laughs> right there at the <laughs> end, when they scored six goals against the Kings. I was like, that's where give the one game I went to, they scored six goals. And I was like, I got to yeah, I gotta give you guys an a plus on this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, good. That made me happy. It's good. <laughs> Outside of Comtois and Zegris, the rest of the team sucked. Offensively, I I thought Raquel looked much better this year, as far as his his willingness to be creative 
I don't know. He just he seemed like he jumped in a lot more plays. He was willing to. I don't know. Like I said, be be more creative. Like I mean, it, it shots. He I thought I thought his shooting was well. His awareness around him was pretty good. It just it didn't translate to a whole lot of goals. Uh, but no one's really scoring a whole lot of goals, anyways. I felt like he looked better. He just didn't put the points up, but he looked a lot more comfortable. He literally was at his lowest shooting percentage of his career this year. It was like below seven percent, six point something. Yeah, he was not good this year. Like, like luck wise, horrible. But like the chances were there. I agree. He didn't look yeah. horrible. He just wasn't scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know what he is now, right? Like, I think we've all it's all settled in officially. Like, he is a really good complimentary top six player. He cannot drive a line on his own. He seems to have just a general limitation to how much offense he can produce on his own, but he's got a really nice shot. He's smart and he can make good passes. Like he's just, he's good. He's, he's going to be in the right great. spot at the right time. And yeah. I mean, he, he, that about 50% to make plays. <laughs> he needs someone else to make plays for him. You know, if, if, if Ricard Raquel was four years younger, he'd be the perfect guy to play with Zegris, but he's not. So, you know, that's just the way it goes, but you know, I, yeah, I think for this forward group for me, it's a C minus. I'm, I don't know that I'm going to fail them based on offense. I think for me, when I look at the group, a couple of guys took some big steps forward. I was very excited with a couple of guys took some steps back. Um, you know, I, I honestly, like for me, everybody over 25, it looked like crap and everybody under 25 looked fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like steel wasn't great. Lunderstrom made some really nice strides this year. Terry, you know, especially at the end of the season seemed to turn into somebody that you can see as being a, a complimentary piece down the line. Steel struggled. Uh, Comtois looked good. Jones looked good. You know, I, I, I'm fine with overall, like, yeah, you know, it wasn't the most exciting. It wasn't great, but I, I think, uh, you know, I think I'll go C minus just to. You name you name like four or five players that you thought were oh they they did all right. Yeah, that's like that's five forwards. That's not even half the forwards. The other half sucked. Yeah. How do you get but a C minus? Because I don't care about the other half. <laughs> <laughs> he only <laughs> graded those he like, saw. I only graded twenty five and the other. No, because here's the thing, right? Like, uh, here's the thing for me coming into this year. What I I was looking for is to see the young guys take steps. I really didn't care what the older guys did. I'm not that interested in what they are. None of them make sense on this team. They would all be very nice pieces on a contending team. But this team obviously isn't a contender. And I feel like I know what those guys are. So there wasn't anything with them that I was looking to evaluate. You know, for me, it was about the young guys. What, which ones of them were going to be able to take steps forward with a bigger opportunity? Which guys were going to take steps back? Who was going to, you know stuck in place a little bit. And I think overall the, there is a level of optimism about the young players that I am content with. The, the interesting argument for me always comes back to, you know, we're, we're sitting here saying, okay, Max Jones took a step forward, had a pretty good year. Isaac Lindish made a pretty good year, but Sam Steele struggled. Sam Steele had six goals and 12 points in 42 games. Uh, Max Jones had seven goals and 11 points in 46 games. Lindstrom had six goals and nine points in 41 games. I know it's not all about offense, but 
how many how many more, like more steps forward can these guys make before it's like okay they're not really doing much like I I don't want to be a downer here but you know, like I like how Max Jones plays I don't think he's ever going to be you know a really capable offensive player outside of maybe like a thirty point guy in a full eighty two game season if he stays healthy he, you know offensively he just wasn't good. And Sam Steele's getting a lot of the hate here, but like he still outproduced Isaac Lindstrom. It's the expectation. In almost the same amount of games. It's the expectation. Yeah, I think that's right. It's the expectation. You know, I because look, the thing with Lindstrom was, you know, he's fine, he's smart, but I question his offensive upside and all that kind of stuff. And we saw this year that he's maybe got a little bit more offensive pop than we thought. Max Jones, I don't think any of us expected him to be a 25 goal scorer. You know, maybe when we first drafted him because we were all, you know, high on draft fumes. But I think, uh, you know, for me, like, Max Jones is developing into kind of exactly what I want him to be, which is kind of a nice playmaker. He's got good hands. He's going to be a great four checker. You know, he's going to be a big body that's going to go in. He's comfortable around the net. He's, you know, he's just going to be a perfectly fine top nine forward. And I mean, Lundestrom scored I half his goals in one game. Not really impressed. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like I don't hate yeah, these but guys. All though. three of those goals were scored a different way, which is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the big breakout game for him, and it kind of you know, just went uh, went a little bit slow after that. Like, listen, I don't I don't hate these guys. I do think Max Jones took a step forward. I do think Isaac Lindstrom Lindstrom took a step forward. But like, if I if I mention I'm going to mention these guys here just without looking at their production you tell me if you think they had a good season or a bad season uh danton heinen bad season fine you know i don't think he got a run but he was all right Derek grant trash he was bad he was bad who cares yeah okay jacob silverberg bad but bad season yeah yeah, just a bad. It's a bad, it's a bad season, but he's injured. So. If I remember, like he produced as much as the kids produced. Like he just wasn't there at all. He yeah. wasn't, and it, then we were all we all saw it. And we were all just like, "Geez, all right, well, he's taking a step back. What the hell's going on?" But oh wait, he waited think, two years to have surgery. Interesting. And this is where it comes down to expectations, and some guys get in the brunt of of some of these arguments here. Now, I, production isn't everything. I get that. Uh, but Silverberg, eight goals, 16 points, 47 games. Derek Grant right behind him, six goals, 15 points in 46 games. Heinen with seven goals and 14 points in 43 games. They, they were basically the same players production-wise. Yeah, what, every- what did they do in previous season? Like, Derek Grant was better last season. Silverberg was better last season. They weren't good this season. I give Silverberg a pass because he's playing injured through the whole goddamn season. And Heinen is someone that, you know, we didn't necessarily have a whole bunch of high expectations because we really hadn't seen anything prior. And he did fine. So that's why I think mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that uh, we project them to do really well. It's like, well, what did they do last year? Can we expect them to either do better, do the same? You know, where are they? And I think everyone expected Grant to do better than he was. So. Yeah, I, I think we're all a little bit maybe more realistic than some. Like, I've seen, I, I, you know, halfway through the season, the argument was like, oh, Danton Heinen is doing amazing. Why isn't he playing? Yet, he kind of finishes around the same spot as a few guys that we said, either, you know, Derek Grant's case was absolute garbage, and in Silverberg's case, had a bad year, but because he was injured, yet Heinen's finishing kind of around that, that same spot. And if, you know, we talk about Getzlaff, I think Getzlaff had a good year, all things considered, but he's also finishing around the same spot, right? So, it, it again, there's, well, I would there's say he had a bad, I'd say he had a bad season. 
Get uh, yeah, I would say it was a subpar season. Um, you know, at this point in his career, though, it's this kind of same thing. I mean, it's subpar to his normal standards, but I didn't necessarily expect him to kind of dwindle this quickly, or at least in this year this quickly. But, I mean, this is kind of one of those funky years where it's just kind of weird, and it's in a weird transition period where he's not necessarily a number one guy now and not relied on as much. So... I mean, that's kind of a, an odd one, but I mean, if you look at a statistical standpoint, I think it was a down year for Getzloff, and, you know, he's he's still got the leadership thing going for him, but, you know, it's it's, it's an odd year for him. I mean, yeah, he's a 35-year-old future Hall of Famer uh, with over 1,000 games played. Like, I'm not worried about how he did this year. I'm just, you know... Yeah. I think to to somewhat of Jay's point, yeah, like he maybe would have liked to see a little bit more production, but I also like he's a passer. Who was he passing to? You know what I mean? Like I just don't think those guys were there. Like you know, I don't know. You know, I think the thing with Heinen and you know, Jay Southern said this in the chat, like, you know, we heard if more than a few times that the thing Heinen they were looking for the coaching staff was looking for from Heinen was his offensive production. And I, I feel like most of us kind of saw him play and we're like, yeah, he's not going to be a productive offensive player. What he's going to be is a solid defensive player. Who's got a nice little one-timer, you know, I think like half of his goals were one-timers, you know, and you're like, okay, good. He's a good third forward. He's a good piece. Probably, you know, on a good team, he's a nice third line player but not more than that. You know, Silverberg, we've seen be a Selkie level player, even if he didn't get the love because he's a winger, you know, you know, but I just, for me, the forward group boiled down to the kids. And that is what I'm grading because I, I know what all the other guys are and I know where they fit and don't fit in this team in the future. Well, I think we kind of know where they all fit here, right? It's, We've talked about this now for two or three seasons, mostly two seasons. That uh, the reason why there's what we feel like the underproduction of the forward group has a lot to do with the fact that almost all these guys are in need of being sheltered by better players, and there's just not those better players on this team. So the reason why some of these kids are underperforming or not progressing as quickly as we want because they're playing heavy minutes against top competition night and night again, whereas. You would see a change in production for sure if you trade some of these young kids to a team that's prepared to take on mm-hmm. a middle six guy and can shelter him and, and play with better players than the vets that are on this team. You see the production go up, and then everyone would freak out and say, see, he didn't, you know, why are we always trading good players away? It's just the circumstance of this team right <laughs> now. There's really, really no one, no one to blame other than uh, management at this point. They totally mismanaged their team, and now... We're not scoring because we're putting kids in the, in the position of having to play where vets or better players should be, and it just doesn't work. We got a lot of middle six forwards. We do. Look yeah. at Sam Bennett in Florida, right? Like he went from struggling in Calgary to putting up 15 points in 10 games in Florida playing with Barkov. Like you just put him in a, a better situation, and all, all of a sudden this guy goes from not so great playing third-line minutes in Calgary to, oh, this kid's pretty good playing first-line minutes with one of the best centers in, in the NHL. Like, it, it's what happens. If you put Troy Terry on Colorado and played him with McKinnon and Rodman, he would still suck. It's going to look pretty good. Mm. <laughs> he still sucked, dude. Just plus-minus in course he would look great, but I mean, he ain't going to score. Yeah. Well, plus-minus is the best stat, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah. Next, oh, next to goalie so wins, obviously. So obviously, good. goalie wins, yeah, is, the goalie most wins is the most yeah. important one. So, real quick, MVP <laughs> or the Ford group? I say oh, Comtois. Comtois. Comtois, yeah. Yeah. Comtois. Evil, evil Raquel. Uh, LVP, uh, the Ford group, I said Sam Steele. Based on expectation, not production. He didn't, yeah, he didn't yeah, do anything beyond what I thought he was going to do. I had great aspirations for him. <laughs> Can I say this? I'd have, I'd have Grant. I, I think I will say David Backus because I expected them to get more out of him, and I don't know why he didn't play more. Because um, they like Derek Grant. Yeah, but whatever. I don't think it's mutually exclusive, but I understand what you're saying. I just, I really was bummed that David Backus didn't play more. Obviously, I think we can all agree that Grant and D'Lo are the two worst forwards on the team. How dare you? D'Lo's great. Yeah, well, Round. he's great when he does. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was very much bummed uh, about how little a role David Back has played on the ice. Well, that's fine. I just want to call him the least valuable player. I would call the least valuable player the one who played a whole bunch and then provided almost nothing. Like, he had the least amount of value. And I would. I'm sorry. I would just say Derek Grant because I don't know if that's expectation, but it just felt like it was. I was watching completely. Different <laughs> he would be out in key situations, and you're like, "Why? Why are you in the offensive zone with 30 seconds yeah. to go? Yeah, Why are you especially like Zegers is sitting on the bench, and it's like, it, Grant. Okay, all right. Yeah. Trash, Eddie. Right. Uh, Sam Sam steals my my LVP. Grant's close second, but close second for you is Troy Terry. Get out of here. Wasn't good. It it comes down to expectations for me. And um, I mean, obviously, Pat had the highest expectations of anybody for Sam Steele, but (laughs) (laughs) I. uh, Not not least valuable at all. Steely let me down. Yeah, it, it was a tough year. Uh, Twelve points in forty-two games is is not what uh, what you want, especially when you look at what Comtois did. Like you could, at the beginning of the season, I think I, I think I said that Sam Steele is probably going to be the guy who would have the breakout year, and I thought he would have a year like Comtois did, and it turns out Comtois was the guy who did that, and Sam Steele got nowhere close. Yeah, I figured ten goals, twenty assists out of Steele this year didn't even come close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably what I would have would have kind of put him at the at the beginning of the year, and yeah, nowhere, nowhere close. Didn't play all fifty six games, but it didn't matter. Shouldn't yeah, he, he maybe, shouldn't even have played six? Yeah, he he maybe would have got ten ten and ten if he had a, a hot streak to finish the year. He would have likely finished probably with a few more goals and a couple more assists. You know, probably somewhere like seven and eight to finish the year, which is not uh, not ideal for a guy that uh, former first round pick and. Guy that had some pretty high expectations coming out of junior, so yeah, he's my my LVP for sure. Let's move on to defense. Let's uh, all raise our hand and say we gave him an F, right? Absolutely an F. Uh, for nope. defense, you didn't. Who you guys didn't grade the defense as an F? I definitely did. That's an F. Nope. If we're talking about expectations of the forward group and looking at nuances of guys taking steps forward, I'm gonna argue that the fact that Lindholm was out for more than half the year and Manson was only played a handful of games this year and we were relying on an eighteen year old kid for the you know for the other twenty or so games playing top minutes with a Josh Manson who just came back from injury, I'd give the defense a C minus. Yeah, I do it. Yeah. I think that's I, right where I'm at. F. I, I yeah no I, I would do a D was um 
I think even with, you know, Lindholm missing some time, Josh Manson wasn't going to be a game-breaker for me. Uh, but then Shattenkirk was really, in my opinion, supposed to be something that helped the power play, something that helped yeah. kind of bring a little bit of the gravitas of winning a Stanley Cup from Tampa Bay over and just, hey, this is how we need to do it, and that sort of deal. It felt like, uh, you know, the, the lead up to it was uh, he's a, a good communicator. He's, he's been there now. And, you know, this is that veteran presence that we're kind of missing on defense. And that felt completely flat. Never saw it whatsoever. So for me, it was, it was you know, C is like average. All right. You know, they didn't blow me out of the water. But they, they depressed me a little bit. And that's why I have D for depression. Yeah, I think that's about right. All right. Uh, but no, I, I do think, you know, one thing that's interesting is I was kind of, as the season, like, as the season was winding down, I was kind of looking at some of the numbers and stuff. And I thought it was very interesting that based on the underlying metrics, the defense of the team as a whole improved and the offense of the team as a whole went down. And for me, that tracks to second year of a coach, uh, everybody having a little bit better idea of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, I think just playing younger legs was helpful in that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Lindholm and Manson missed time. But even if they did, I don't know how much better it was going to be. Um, you know, so. But they missed time, but you look at the guys who had to fill in for them. That's the big thing here is Hackenpah played 42 games for the team. Ben Hutton played 34 games for the team. Larson had to play 46 games. For, for the Ducks, you had Andy Two of Walensky. Guys are you played in the playoffs, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just the sheer amount of AHL quality defensemen who played big minutes for the Ducks this year. Like I, I'm grading based off what it could have been and how they did despite not having those guys. Like I agree with you, Steve. I don't think it's much better if Tolman Manson are in, but it's better than playing the guys we had to play. Hockenlove was at number four this year. Ben Hutton at times was our second left-handed defenseman when guys were out. And then Kevin Shattenkirk is not a guy you want to play as much as he played, and you know, especially in defensive responsibilities. He played 55 games this year and played you know well over 22 minutes a game. That's not where you want him to be. You want him to come in and team like he, like he did in Tampa and be a specialist guy. You play on the power play. You put him in situations where his skill set's going to help you and the injuries didn't really allow the Ducks to do that this year. And, yeah. and then the fact that, you know, they got good performances from Cam Fowler. I think he was good. And I think he would have been better if Lindholm was healthy all year and he wasn't kind of tasked with being the minute eater for the Ducks, which I don't think he, he is that guy. I think Hayden Fleury, when he came over, was good. And then obviously being able to watch Jamie Drysdale this year and, and how well he did is for a long time the youngest player in, in the entire league. You know, there, there's so many positives there uh, among a group that was dismantled with injuries that, you know, I, maybe a C minus is, is fairly generous, but, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't fail them based off that where, where there actually were more than one guy who looked good on that, on that decor. They were cratered. I gave them an F. I just, and it was, it's not their fault. It's just the cards that were dealt. I, I, the performance night in and right out, it just wasn't good. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't good. It, it was, <laughs> I guess I should give them a better grade than the forwards. You're right. So maybe I should move the forwards to an F and the defense to an F plus if I had to swap those. They still failed in my opinion. <laughs> just wasn't impressive. Night and night again, you see guys get walked. It just it, – it, the, 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 the chances um, 
that they were not able to generate either on the offensive side of the puck was awful. Uh, the power play stunk. They're part of that. The penalty kill stunk. They're part of that. I just felt like it was bad all around. Bad all around. And anybody shitting on Gibson should just, just stop immediately if you're a Ducks fan. I don't like goalies at all. And he is nowhere near to be blamed for anything that happened this season. It's it's absurd if anyone. And I was at a game where they were ragging on him. People wearing Ducks jerseys jeering him uh, when I was at the Vegas game. I was just like, what the? What are you watching? <laughs> a two-on-one, another two-on-one, and another breakaway. Oh, look, another breakaway. It's all his fault. I, I just it's don't cool. get it, man. It's the, the least understood position. So. <laughs> it's so bad, man. It was so, so bad. Well, yeah, I think the other thing, like the number of goals that he quote unquote gave up because both defensemen were below the blue line or before, below the goal line and they passed it right to somebody who had a one timer right in front. Like, how is that his fault? Like, I don't know. Like, I agree that you can say his play took a step back this year, but he went from an incredible goaltender to a fine enough goaltender and he didn't have a team that was there to support him. And as far as I'm concerned, He's earned a bad year, if that's what you want to call it. Because, you know, I mean, honestly, if he's not in this, I, I don't even think it's a close that they're the worst team in the league. We like, saw what Ryan Miller did behind this team. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. No, no question. It, it doesn't matter. Look, look, at all, look at all the stats of all the goalies this season. I mean, with the exception of maybe Stollers being kind of lights out for the small sample size that he had. What I don't like about a lot of the goalie stats, they they don't necessarily ever express what's happening within the game. Where did that shot come from? I mean, you can go high danger chances, but where they're shooting from, yeah, might be high danger. But if there's people in the way and there's a good chance you're not going to save it, or is that a pass immediately to a high danger thing or a high danger zone, and then that guy shoots at top shelf? I mean, a goalie's not going to make that save. You can't expect that to happen. If you go right. and look at the stat sheet, Oh, he gave up four goals. The guy's a bum. And it's like, well, who, where where did those goals happen? When did they happen? Was the team out there and they couldn't exit the zone and they're stuck in there for about two minutes and guys are now exhausted and then a backdoor tap-in happens. You go, like, oh, should have been there. It's like, dude, he's probably been up and down, you know, doing karate with bees. I mean, that kind of <laughs> exercising, trying to get to wherever he needs to go in the immediate moment to try and stop a goal. And then it goes in. It's just like it's it's stupid to go like, oh, should have had that one. When it show up, I could do that. It, so, as good as... Go, back. go ahead. The karate no, with bees? The karate with bees? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try to have a karate thing with bees. That's a, that's what a goalie has to go through in about a two-minute span. It's just, just like... Oh, you know I mean? Try to do that. Get down, up, stop bees. Oh, God. <laughs> look, look at who they faced. As good as Anthony Stolarz was, he came into the team when they were playing a little bit better than they were at the beginning of the year. And he faced San Jose twice and really boosted his numbers with a 46 save shutout and, and another good performance uh, two, in two nights against the Sharks. He played the Kings twice. He did lose both of those games. He played Arizona twice. And then he had two impressive wins against St. Louis. But really, the only two arguably hard matchups there were against St. Louis. And they were still the fourth best team in that division. The three top teams in that division in Colorado, Minnesota, and Vegas were all on another level. And he didn't face either of them. So his numbers are going to look better based off that. Whereas Gibson and Miller were the guys who had to face those teams all year. 
and their numbers are going to look worse because of that. And they, you know, in Gibby's case, he played a lot more games, and, and Miller still played a significant amount of games for the Ducks as well. But their numbers were never going to look good. They were never right. going to look good this year, especially John Gibson playing. You know, I think he started 35 games this year. It was always going to be a tough year with the team you had in front of him. And then you add in the injuries we already talked about on the blue line. Losing Hampus Lindholm was your top defenseman for the majority of the season. Losing Josh Manson for 30-plus games this year. Having to play, you know, at a, at a time, Hutton, uh, Hackenpah, Walensky, and Larson all in the lineup on one night. What do you expect is going right. to happen when when you're facing some of these top teams? So it, it's not fair. To judge, to judge John Gibson and say he had a horrible season, I think it's fair to say he didn't have a great season. Probably mm-hmm. you would have liked him to, to be a little bit better. But you, you just can't make the argument that it's his fault with the team he had in front of him. Like He is not the reason the Ducks were bad this year. He, he's a part of the collective whole. But there's several reasons you can kind of put in front of John Gibson uh, before you can start blaming him. Five at a time, actually. You can put five reasons at a time in front of them, and that'll get you there. <laughs> I got, I got, two, I got two things to say. One, collective poll is my new favorite band name, and two, <laughs> uh, there's a reason why I think out of like 22 shutouts that John Gibson has, I think uh, over 75% of them happen in the first half of the season, if not the first third of the season. That's when he's good. That's when he's on his A game, and the team needs him. And then he wears out. You can't keep doing it. At some point, your team needs to start clicking and start getting more offense. Otherwise, you're going to wear out your goalie. Your goalie's going to have this, I don't want to say a mental breakdown, but it's just like, Jesus, all right. I mean, I could kill myself every There were stories of him being on IVs after a game, right? Like, he's so dehydrated. I didn't even know that. Exhausted. Like, suffered exhaustion. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's going to wear you wear you out on a physical aspect but also it takes a toll mentally and then when you think about goalies you got to come into a game thinking all right I, I you know i got my team my team's got me after a while if you realize your team doesn't got you man you're just kind of like all right i'm just going to do enough to hopefully help this team i mean it just wears on you after nine months of playing that's why he's so good out of the game he has a team that supports him moving through there he doesn't have to kill himself in the first third or half of the season to try and make himself the best goalie out there and then that's where you see the let off that ends up happening the rest of the season because oh he's not trying anymore it's like dude he's he's done he did everything he could he did a whole season in the first half and now you want him to just keep it going it's just at some point it's gonna wear on a goal do you think he regrets signing the eight-year deal in 2018 Right now, yes. He just made $6.4 million. He could have made way more somewhere else if he would have just waited. And had more success. That being said, um, there's a reason he signed it in the first place, and I think that he he sees potential there, and I think he likes the market, and I think he likes to be there. But he's also kind of a little fed up, and that's what his exit interviews were kind of about, too. It was just like, listen we got to find a way to win. We're, we seem to find excuses, not ways to win. So let's change that mentality. And if we can do that, I'm more than happy that I sign this and we start getting you know championships going here, or at least be competitive. But I he, don't signed he signed it the year that Ricard Raquel had 69 points and 34 goals. That summer <laughs> exactly. he signed the contract. Yeah, And that's what you do. You, you see your projection and moving forward. Corey Perry at 49 happened. points. What the hell was this team? <laughs> But he still good, had good. one that got good. smoked in the playoffs. I, I don't they know got smoked in the playoffs. I think it's Gayud. 
No, they got smoked and they got smoked by the Sharks. He had three shutouts this season. Only won nine games. His three shutouts were tied for six in the league. And the guys above him played at least seven or eight more games than him. He faced the 11th most shots against. I'm sure if he played five or six more games to get kind of close to some of the guys in front of him, he'd probably be top three, if not most, in terms of shot against, shots against. He had one shutout last year in 50 games or 51 games. Like, he had a good individual season. They're all like one-nothing wins. I think half of his shutouts yeah, probably. Yeah, no, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's insane. Like, the degree, like... He really is to me like Clayton Kershaw when Clayton Kershaw was at his peak. He just he That's can a go out and, ever. he can go out and dominate any given night, and it doesn't matter because the team around him does not have the ability to give him any kind of margin of error. And I think, you know, like I said, you can definitely say that he took a step back as far as his level of play, but he didn't go from a decent goalie to a terrible goalie he went from an elite goalie to a pretty good goalie which again when the margin of error is so small like i just don't know what part of that i'm supposed to be disappointed with him for yeah you're not yeah so can we you plug plug any goalie around the league into this team any of the top goalies they're they're not having a good year like um, no. Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, you know any of these guys? Uh, there, I'd say there, Vasilevsky uh, still pull it out. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, he would still be good, but he would definitely be nowhere near what the nine twenty-five save percentage he had. We'd I'd be looking at like nine ten, maybe below that with this Ducks team this year. Like he's he's good, but I don't think he's ex- exceptionally better than John Gibson. When you know all things considered, if they, if, if everything was equal. And they were yeah. playing in the same team. I think he's still the best goaltender in this league. But you put any goaltender on this team this year, they're going to struggle. Bad defense, yeah. All right, real quick, so, can we can we give the, the MVP great. for defense yeah, and LVP for defense? Just not explain, just say it. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. MVP. Uh, Fowler. Yeah, Fowler. Fowler. I said Fowler. I can't believe I said it either. Uh, (laughs) And then LVP. Larson. Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk. Larson's, Larson's too easy. I'm, yeah, I'm going Shattenkirk. Like, Larson was going to have a bad year no matter what. But the expectation versus <laughs> reality for, for Kevin Shattenkirk was just unbelievable. Even with how bad this team is. To be outperformed we by Cam Fowler. We weren't supposed to Amazing. explain. I had to. I had to take <laughs> the last thing. Can we get to... I wanna, this, is, this is a good one, too. Management. Would you guys rank the management this year? <laughs> what? And it's very hard not to give him an F. No, did, did you say I, I give him a D minus. with Bob or D? No, not a okay. B. No, D like, is in your addiction. D, 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 yeah. Oof. D day. <laughs> D day. Dude. They did. The, the things they did, like Hayden Flurry was a good pickup. I think Volkov was a, was a good pickup. There were things they didn't do, which they should have, like mm-hmm. trading Raquel or trading Manson. Um, so they, they, 
they kind of dropped the ball. Yeah, do, yeah, getting another first-round pick would have been nice as well. And, and there's a lot of things they could have done. If But the, the things they did do, and they got right. And I can't give them an F because of that. Like, if Hayden Fleury and Volkov flopped, then sure, I'll give them an F. But they came in and they looked good, especially Hayden Fleury. Like, that one looks pretty good. Not that Fleury was exceptional, but... He looks to at least have a future and I'm above some of the guys we've talked about before, like Juice and a few others that they brought in. Like he actually does look like he could I be. I think he's a boss over Hackenbach. So Yeah, he could stick around for a while. So I'll I'll give him a D minus just a I little bit. Kind of yeah. yeah. For for picking those guys up. I gave him enough. Nah. You surprised? Yeah, yeah. They they did horrible things of the lineup. And you they had I mean <laughs> we all know we all know they wanted to fire Eakin to give it Daryl Sutter but Sutter couldn't leave Canada yeah. <laughs> and it was like to me that was exactly what was going to happen I really feel like that was going to happen and that would have been just as bad I don't yeah, see it having any, any positive I would have given him an F if that happened like unbelievable you could just see it we all knew that that was like the plan and then, like, Eakins was like, oh, no, I wanted Daryl here. I wanted someone. It's like, no, yeah. you really you really want Big Brother over your shoulder the entire time? I really time? need this guy to take my job and like, this up. What is going on in this, in this management it is unbelievable to me. Uh, the non-trades blew me away. I know I have plenty of arguing about that from the trade deadline show we did where, oh, they don't have value this year is shitty because of COVID and because of the expansion. Yeah, okay. But they've had so much time to do this, to do anything, and they haven't done anything to me. Uh, it just—it's really disappointing as a Ducks fan. Pat doesn't have time for excuses. I don't. It's all bullshit. They—they <laughs> they said the same thing year after year after year about wanting to be better. Oh, I want a guy who can shoot the puck. No, you don't. <laughs> you haven't made any effort to get that guy. <laughs> I want a big shot defenseman at the point of the power play. No, you don't. You got Kevin Shattenkirk for under five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, there's dude. a league minimum. No, nope. <laughs> it's like do not care about that. They seriously—they just feed this the fan base. Bullshit year after year at their end of the year uh, review or whatever they do. Bobby's bargain crap breakfast that he does, which is a lot of fun to go to. Uh, but lately it's just been nauseating listening to this, this guy speak. Crap. It's all lies. It's fun to go to. It is fun because we get all the insight, but it's, it's just, I get to hang out with my friends. But like, other than that, it's very disappointing. Very disappointing. They get enough every year until they change. They just can't help. Okay. Every until year they Bob wake up, leaves. they get up and, they get up and just be like, hey. This is amazing. We've got these great, great young prospects coming in. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do for them? No, nothing. <laughs> We're just going to let them all play top in minutes. It's great. You know what? You know what we should do? Put them down. Yeah. Put them down the AHL. We're really concerned about our 20-year-old kid <laughs> having another year on his contract. Like, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anywho. Coaching? Yeah, coaching. <laughs> I'll get it out of the way. I gave him a D. I don't know what to say about it. I felt like management had a lot to do with coaching decisions. So if I was going to rant yeah. again, it would be the same thing I just ranted about with management. Yeah. I give him I an F. I give him a B. I will. You know what? I might I'm switch it. Go- I never thought about this. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see any of the great things that we had to do before we started. Oh, I'd actually dude. give him an F, too. I, I think, think I'm going to – I'll I give Dallas a C. You give Dallas a C? I'll give him a C. I I think that there were quite a few issues with his lineup, but he wasn't put in a good position. He's got too many guys for too little spots, and he has to play that fourth line that way. Like, I just, there's no world in which 
Wait a minute. How are you giving him anything less or anything more than a D when, like, situationally, he put out horrible line combinations? Yeah. He made night and night again. Poor decisions this year. Like, horrible. I, we, were, we all at the beginning of the season were like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, I'll give him a like, benefit of the doubt this year, whatever. But like, this was the first year where, like, he just made some, like, ridiculous decisions. Like, Pat brought it up already, like, putting Derek Grant out there and – where Ziggler should have been out there. Somebody else should have been out there. And continuing to plug, yeah, to plug specific guys into the lineup when we had, you know, guys like Heinen scratched or whatever. And, Seven defensemen. You know, no improvement in terms of the power player penalty, which I know is not fully on him. But if we're talking coaching, we're talking about the coaching staff as a, as a whole. And it, it just got yeah, but. Not much, not significantly better. Like it, it, it was okay, but it's still 16th, and on a defensive team that ranked 24th with the worst offense and the worst power play in the league, as the second worst team in the league, not far off from Buffalo, who everybody across the entire NHL considers a tire fire. We were through six points off of them, and if we didn't win a couple of games at the end of the season because of Trevor Zegers, we would have been right there with them. No, I don't disagree with any of that. I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, like, yeah, maybe a D is maybe slightly more appropriate. But I, I, I just, uh, like the deployment stuff. I just, I don't know. I, I, I am inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt there, in so much as he just didn't want to rush the young guys. Now we can agree or disagree with that as a thing, but I think that. It's not an insane idea to be like, eh, we're not doing anything this year. So let's just like let the kids, you know, kind of take their time, bring them along slowly. Like I just, I, there wasn't anybody on this team that should be playing against Nathan McKinnon. So like, I don't really give a shit that Derek Grant was out there. It's stupid. Don't get me wrong, but who cares? Like I just, nobody was going to play well against Nathan McKinnon. That wasn't a thing that was going to happen. And you know, I just think, you know, I listened to his exit interview today, and I, I really do think that, like, he gets what this team is. Like, the number of times in his exit interview, he says he basically referenced Colorado the entire time. He goes, look at them. They were at the bottom of the league five years ago. Now they're at the top of the league. He mentioned multiple times five to six years. He gets where this team is. He's not being allowed, in my opinion, to do the things he needs to do. He's got too many guys making too much money that aren't quality of enough to pull the team up. And the young guys that hopefully can do that someday, either A, there's only two of them, and B, they were both rookies this year. I I just, he seems to get what's happening here. And as much as, you know, there are legitimate issues with his lineup and his deployment and things like that, like, I don't think... I just don't think he was put in any kind of position to succeed by the team and the roster that he was given. So six years, one Nathan McKinnon, one Kale McCarr, one Miko Rontanen, and That's they're sad. a good team, right? Like, listen, I get it. But it's he has not a that. shit it's, team. It's Nobody the was process. But yeah. it's the process is what he's talking about. What he's saying is you don't go from the bottom of the league to the top of the league in a year. What he's saying is, is, it's a rough process. You're going to have to, A, get those high picks, but you also are going to have to grow as an organization, as a roster. You're going to have to grow 
and get better over time. I don't think he was given a roster that he can do that with. You know, I think it's... What? No, no, go ahead. I just... (laughs) He was given... You know, he was just given a roster that is, like I said, it's full of too many guys for too little spots, and none of them really need to be played on any given night. Like, I really don't care that he scratched Henrique. I don't care that they waived Henrique. Like, you know, he could have sat Silverberg and Raquel every night. It wouldn't have made a difference. But that just goes to show you that management's making those decisions. There's no way that he goes, I'm going to scratch my veteran for six games. That's that's Bob Murray. Can we prove that? Come on. That's that's got to be And then, then that comes down to the coach. And that's and that's my two my two cents and my two things that I I feel like a it's like you know oh I'm gonna I'm gonna shelter the kids or I'm gonna use this certain deployment in a game or a game where you know hey this guy could probably help us win it but I don't want to um, make him feel like he's got too much to do I felt like he sheltered the kids a little bit too much when that could have helped I felt like he also tried to go like listen. You, you gotta you gotta be held reliable. So I'm gonna bench you, and we're not gonna place out our best lineup to try and send a message. I didn't feel like that really hit. A lot of those players maybe had a good like follow up game, and then everything just kind of fell off from that. But I just felt like that was maybe the wrong approach. I don't think the team really responded. And if the, his idea was that, well, I'm I'm here. I'm gonna you know try and hold you responsible to do it, and I'm gonna put in guys who are also not going to produce. What has what has been learned? What what advantage was that? And so I just didn't feel like like I, I feel like it was trying new things to try and see what could spark it, and they all failed. And once again, it's not a hundred percent his fault, but I'm but not gonna give him an did. average rating. He he went a little bit out there and and failed a little bit, and that's why I give him a D. I, I don't think that they all failed, though, because I don't think Henrique was good for the first chunk of the season. He was much better the second half of the season. Now, if that was being waived, if that was being scratched, we have no way of knowing. He, you know, he could have had the flu for the first whatever. I don't freaking know. But he was a noticeably better player after he got waived and scratched than he was before. And as far as, you know, what message does it send... Adam Henrique is expected to be a significant contributor and a leader on this team. He is considered part of that older core that is in that late 20s range, early 30s range, I guess, for him, but like who was expected to help this team be more than they were this year. The message it sends to sit him down is it's about everybody being equally held accountable. He benched Steele. He benched Lundestrom. He benched Terry. You know, they benched Trevor Zegers. As much as we all wanted to bitch about that, he didn't single anybody out. What he did was he held guys accountable and expected them to be the guys that they were or that they should be. And that worked out. But thats I don't <laughs> think that's a coaching thing. I think that's a roster thing. The problem is, is the guys in those positions aren't good enough to hold those positions. Adam Henrique shouldn't be the, be- the second-best center on the team. That's ridiculous. He's I, a third-line center. I think... Like, if we make team performance irrelevant in grading Dallas Aikens, I still then go down to his decision-making this year. And a lot of the decisions that he got wrong or the way he mismanaged players. Like, I get, you know, a lot of that is subjective. But I think a lot of us can agree the way he handled Trevor Zegers on the wing and, and as much as I forget who said it, but played him with kid gloves for, for most of the year. And then sent him back down and brought him back up. And all, all of a sudden, you give him some responsibility and play him 
you know, 20 minutes a night or 18 minutes a night. Okay, look, he can make an impact on this roster. Like, he could have done that before. But we don't know and that. That's we, the thing that bothers me about that. You don't oh, know that he could have done that. And that's that's the only thing about that. I'm not saying he maybe shouldn't have been brought up and played at center, but it's a counterfactual. We have no way to know how much him being able to play wing for 10, 15, 20 games learn the speed without any of the responsibility really just soak it in go down play center come back up i don't know that he needed to go down seems the only reason that they sent him down was to push that extra year but i i just it seems wishful thinking to say if they played him at center all year he would have had 40 points which is what it, I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but it does feel like that's kind of being insinuated by some of the people who I've heard be upset with him not playing center from the beginning. Oh, look how much more comfortable he looked. Oh, do you mean after he had already played 20 games in the NHL? After he had already figured out what it meant to play an, every game, like on an NHL team? Like, uh, again, I don't think Dallas Akins is the coach when this team is good again, but I don't think he's the reason this team is bad. And I, as much as I may disagree with some of his decisions, I think the logic is consistent. And that, for me, is fine. Damn it, Steve, you made a lot of sense. Shut up, Pat. You're talking He's not the reason, (laughs) but he's a significant contributing factor. And it's not just him. Like, we're valuing the entire coaching staff here. And there have been bad teams who perform well in one area of special teams. Like, I guess you could... You could sort of argue the penalty kill was decent. I think it still clicked below 80%, which, yeah, maybe it was ranked 16%, but clicking below 80% on a penalty kill is not great. It was 80% dead on. Yeah, it, it's just there, there was not a lot of progression in terms of like my confidence with him as, as a coach. You know, a lot of just, again, comes down to the decisions we can, you know, harp on, you know, the Zegers one or whatever. Just he didn't really do a lot of things this year. Like, oh yeah, you know what? That was a good decision. That panned out well. You know, congrats, Dallas Akins. That was a good move. I didn't really find myself sitting there and saying that this year. And there was a lot of things that he did that I can put blame on for you know the the duck struggles in in that situation. Whether you know, again, like I said, the the, the decision to put Derek Grant out there in, in some key offensive draws. Yeah, you don't have the personnel maybe to be a good team, but you have guys out there who are a little bit more offensively inclined and can win you the game or at least give you a better chance of winning the game than Derek Grant out in that situation. And I'm not you know, I think that's, Dallas fair. that's totally has, fair. Yeah, I think he has his favorites on this team. I, like in, in the sense, that I think he has guys that he relies on too much to do more than they possibly could and overlooks who would actually be the best person of his entire lineup to put out there and it's overthinking a lot of things it's desperate at times it feels like from for him to you know really figure things out and then a lot of times it just felt like he's just going to keep trying things until something works and it doesn't and and that just reeks of desperation and when i see that in a coach i get it was a tough year and it's really hard to you know to not have that happen but he didn't really turn it around from that like, it just felt desperate all year. And then, oh, all of a sudden, Trevor Zegers come to Ontario, look good. We're going to forget about the rest of 
the poor lineup decisions he made throughout the year and moving guys around, playing guest left. It's the fourth line right wing and, and, and all okay, the different well, wait a things that, that came up with that. He played like three games at the end of a crap season when they were clearly trying to give young guys more responsibility in the lineup. He didn't he didn't start him on right wing to start the season. Like uh, I agree I 100% agree with your point about playing Derek Grant in the offensive zone draws is stupid. Like I I don't I think that is a very legitimate point. But like I also think like one of the things, you know, I don't know like, what's the tipping point on changing lines too often and not changing lines at all? Like, you know what I mean? Like, at no point were anybody really clicking. And you Because they didn't stay together long enough to make anything happen. He never, he never <laughs> stuck with guys that we've seen be good or decent and put them with, with like, other guys who'd be successful. How many times do we look at a lineup every night on a game night and go, holy shit, looks great. I can count, like, two, two times. Two or three times. The lineup looked good. They scratched the right guys, and they had the right pairings. How can we could figure this out? What looks what looks nice, right? And this coaching staff is like, why why would we ever want to do that? Let's play Derek Grant. Let's scratch Danton Heinen. That's a good idea. Let's put Derek Grant in his spot. Let's play Dick Delorier. <laughs> Let's we play all these Imagine guys who have Carter no ability. Healthy. Like insane, dude. That's what we're talking about here. How come? Like I feel no. like the, most of the fan base can figure out these young guys play well together. And the coaching staff's like, there it is. Whatever that is. Let's just do what we've always done. Let's just play the guys who can't score all the time. That's a good idea. Looks great. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. Like I said, I, 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 I do not think he is the long-term solution for this team. I do not think when this team is competitive, he will be again. But I will tell you, dead up, after listening to his exit interview today... I am 100% in on him being the coach next year because he has, to me, the mentality and the disposition that I want for a coach in a rebuild. I get it. What he came out and said today was, yeah, maybe coming out of the gate and thinking we were going to be competitive was too much. Yep. But I would rather aim high and miss than than aim so low I can't not miss. Like, I don't think he even I don't think he even, like, he even accomplished his objective. That's the problem. But let me ask you a question. What do you think his objective was this season? To not look bad. I don't think that's they didn't what it do that. Was. I mean, maybe, maybe that is. But for me, the young guys took a step forward. Most of them did. I can't. I, I'm fine with that. That's all I wanted out of this year. Let's uh, let's move it along to some superlatives because I don't want to say superlatives. <laughs> Sounds too French. Um, <laughs> I think that we should wrap the show with with a a bit of a bit of rapid fire here. We're getting to one a.m. times time for Eddie. It's going to kill him on a weeknight. But Mm. uh, Stephen put these together, and I think they're cool. And there's some fun ones in here. So Jay, who would you say is your most improved player? Come to not a bad. Uh, You know what? I take that back. Uh, The other Max, Max Jones. That's who I said. Yeah, I felt like he. find himself and it would took a, a few years for us to kind of go like, well, what's he going to be you know where is he going to go and this year he just he stepped in and he just did exactly what we kind of need it's it's almost a Corey perry without the skill there but it's someone who's going to get in there be a little bit more in your face and can actually start you know putting in pucks and there's being that guy that has to be in front of the goalie and take a little bit of punishment so I felt like he he not only 
stepped into his role, I felt he did a very good job at it, too. And Steven. I feel like more of those goals will happen. You agree? Uh, my most improved is Troy Terry. This oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I just think, you know, by the end of the season, what we saw is someone who can be a top six two-way winger. He can provide a little bit of offense. He's going to play responsibly in his own end. Uh, I, I'm very excited about him being a complimentary player going forward. I don't think he's a star. I don't think he's going to make an all, you know, NHL team or any of that In New shit. York or in Florida <laughs> or... <laughs> I, I just think that Troy Terry has a genuine shot to be a legitimate difference maker uh, on this team because of his two-way ability. So, Eddie? Yeah. Second half of the season, Troy Terry, right? That's that's most improved. But, um, yeah, I, I've, over an entire year, it, it's hard not to pick anybody but Maxime Comtois. Um, I don't think anybody would have pegged him as the, the leading scorer on this team. You, you maybe could have made an argument that he'd be the leading goal scorer, but then to also lead the team in points. And to really not make it significantly close like that you know Ricard Raquel was really the only one close and he was pretty well clear of Adam Henrique and, and Troy Terry and he just looked great all year I think the consistency was was there for him and you think over a full 82 game season he's probably a 20 to 25 goal scorer and a 50 point guy it's something we haven't really seen from anybody on this team in a long while and the fact he's only 22 and and this can continue to go up when the ducks power play actually gets relevant he's going to be a big part of that he's just he's kind of the clear number one for me i i i think you know troy terry max jones that there's good shouts there as as being uh, you know a number two or a number three guy for most improved but it's yeah it's it's maxim contour for me who's the most valuable player on this team this year I said John Gibson. Yeah, it's between him and Fowler. So I'll say Fowler not to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I'd go Comtois. I mean, the team that can't score, at least they have somebody who can. I just, I feel like, I mean, take away Comtois' goals. I mean, how many games have we lost? Well, you know, on top of that. I mean, we got, what, 11 regulation wins? How many mm-hmm. are lost? <laughs> Except for Lundestrom's hat trick. Oh, no, we lost that game. Yeah. Yeah. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Eddie? Uh, yeah, it's it's Maxim Comtois again. Cam Fowler was one I wanted to give it to, but um, no. I'm just speak, boys. Yeah, Maxim Comtois again. He's just, just the best player of the season for the Ducks, and if that's who we're picking, then it's him. Least valuable, before you guys all say it, I'll say it for you, Troy Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a Sam Steele thing for me. I, uh, I I really think he did not cover himself in glory this year. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with uh, Steele. I, I, I still go Derek Grant. I was, I was very <laughs> disappointed in what I, <laughs> what, what I thought he would actually do versus what he actually did do. I just I felt like. Uh, I don't know. It was like it was this one bad season with us, but I just felt like he was he was put in a lot of great opportunities, didn't succeed, and even in the things you would expect him to just you know file in line, he, he it didn't feel like he was he was ever there. It didn't seem like the same Derek Grant I'd seen. He was given plenty of opportunity past. in key situations to perform, which maybe he should never have been out there for, but he still failed. <laughs> yeah, Eddie. 
Yeah, it's it. Sam Steele is is close for me, but it's missed expectations in Sam Steele's case, and then just disappointment for Kevin Shattenkirk, and that's why Kevin Shattenkirk's my my least valuable. Uh, supposed to come in and fix the power play, finished the season with five power play points, and he was given every opportunity to be that guy, and he got outplayed by, you know, as exceptionally talented as Jamie Drysdale is, he got outplayed by an 18 year old. Uh, in, in the position that he was brought in and paid pretty good money to do so. Uh, so he uh, he's my least valuable player just because of that. Who was your guys' biggest disappointment? I had a, uh, a Steel Shattenkirk love affair, so I put them both. Yeah, I'll go with Shats. I think that's the one. I You know, I think his underlying numbers looked all right, but I just don't feel like uh, there was as much of a tangible impact on the game as I was hoping. You, you know, could literally I think... put any name on the back of that jersey and you would have been like, oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know, like again, like his underlying numbers were good, but I, I, for me, with that kind of signing, you're looking for production. Um, so, yeah, I would say Shatton Kirk. I mean, that was the guy who was supposed to come in, kind of solidify that defense, be a top two pairing guy, and also solve a lot of our power play woes. Not only was our defense lackluster offense wasn't there but they have two two three goals maybe two two and then yeah, a power two. play and then that power play was the worst uh, worst in the league so i mean yeah uh, how would you define that as anything other than ultra disappointing that was like our guy that we signed it was like all right we got this you know maybe there's a little bit bumpy out of the gate it was just crap through the entire season yeah 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 it's sam Steele for me just if we're talking about a disappointment uh, because of just how high I was on him at the beginning of the year, uh, I thought he was going to be the guy that would do something like Maxim Comtois did, and he didn't. You know, Shattenkirk, you, you want him to come in and, and do well, but you can at least make an argument maybe for why he didn't. For Sam Steele, it's just disappointing because he had so much promise and he just did not live up to it whatsoever. And most fun, I went with Jamie Drysdale. That's a good one. I'll, I'll take Zegris on that one. I'll take Zegris. Yeah, there's two answers here. It's either Zegris or Drysdale. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's Trevor Zegris for me. Uh, just the stuff he was doing. It's just, it's unreal. Uh, most intriguing, I went with Jack Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> a little teaser for Bucks and Brews on Saturday. Oh. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't pick Tom Wilson, bud. Oh, he yeah. was my second place. He was my second place <laughs> right up there. Two uh, good topics most, for Saturday. So most most interesting. Um, no, I mean we kind of thought like uh, those young kids would come in and they would be interesting all on their own. But like the one that like kind of shocked me a little bit was I would probably say Flurry coming in, and I thought uh, that guy was. Uh, I was like, ah, I don't know. Bob Murray seems high on him, so he probably sucks. Uh, but he came in and he actually, you know, uh, game in and game out. He actually got better as he moved along, which is something we don't see too often here. So the fact that he actually got a little bit better and a little bit better, it's intriguing to me to see kind of where he is, given that he's got a better opportunity to play bigger minutes come next season, maybe a little bit more regular season, hopefully. Steven. Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. I think it's got to be Hayden Flurry. I'm very excited. Uh and curious about what the future holds for him. I think he showed a a very good or very promising, at least, two-way game. He seems to be a good skater. He's a good puck mover. Uh, you know, 
he seems to be willing at least to get a little bit involved in the play and take some shots and stuff like that. And, you know, they got, they got him for a traffic cone and a six round pick. (laughs) I'm stoked, man. Like I, I'm very excited about Hayden Fleury. You know, I think, I really do think Hayden Fleury has the potential to answer a couple of questions that this team is going to have going forward. Eddie? I should say uh, Benoit Olivier Grew just so everybody has no. a drink. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. But I'm going a bit off the board here. I think Hayden Fleury is a great pick, but I'm going to go with Sam Carrick. Um, I think nice. he did exceptionally well for what he was brought in to do. Somehow just can never stick in the lineup every time he comes up. But six points in, in 13 games, he got a power play point in that as well. Played all over the lineup, played first line, second line, third line, fourth fight. line at times. Yeah, he got in a fight. He, he's, again, he, you know, he's the goals captain for a reason. And he's just a guy that competes every night. And when we look at a future fourth line forward for this team that hopefully doesn't involve Delore, Grant, and Rowney, <laughs> he's the guy I would want down there is an energy guy and then when there are injuries you know he's capable enough and will work hard enough that you can slot him up in the lineup and you're not going to really notice a huge difference so i i'm intrigued by where he's going to play next year and if he's going to get a shot because i think Rowney is a ufa so he might be gone but delory and grant are still going to be here so he might he might fill that uh that that empty spot on the fourth line hopefully so well uh, so my most intriguing instead of Eichel actually was Trevor Zegers. Uh, had to be one of those answers for intriguing and fun. It's <laughs> because I want to see where that kid actually goes. I know that everyone got mad at me saying he's like a second-line guy. Everyone got all pissed no, no, about no. it. No, no, You said he's a middle six guy. No, That's I did it. not say middle six. I said second I, I have the receipts. There's a picture out there that <laughs> you said he was a middle six guy. You're not to bring pen and paper and ink What am I, a politician? <laughs> what am I, a politician? You got to like, record things they say? That's interesting. Pat's just out here trying to buy a donut, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to delete my Twitter and all your, all your messages. So hack your phone. He's a second line guy. Um, that's just my opinion. So, Pucks and Brews will be fun. There's a lot to look forward to on Saturday. Tom Wilson yep. incident. We get to talk about that, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, the Jack Eichel talk. Chance to jump in on first that. time. Oh, so excited Thank about you. Jack Eichel too. And we already covered it. Me and Ed got it. You guys are good. Yeah, we guys we got Tom Wilson. We got all the right. <laughs> we, we got all. The, oh, got Jesus! All I'm sure that I'm sure the, the take was so amazing. Hey, you should have been on that podcast. Can't wait. Then, huh? Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait <laughs> to talk to you guys about about what hockey's all about anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It, it's, Jesus Christ, dude. We used to do the rant show on Patreon. This is these yeah, two top. Yeah, I'm trying not to vomit out of my mouth right rant. now. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. It's just, I'm and really the, the Jack Eichel trade talk are going to... Oh, the tier two center talk. Debates, yeah. Yeah. This 80-point guy is amazing. Can't wait yeah. to have him on a team. We're wrapping it up with our playoff predictions, which is usually a full show, but it'll be a longer Pucks and Bruce on Saturday because we're going to have to get to that. And uh, I believe after yeah, after the, the Avalanche won tonight, all the playoff matchups are set. So we have our, our playoff preview show ready to go. That's going to be a good time. Uh, 12 p.m. start. Probably it's like 12 to 1.30-ish. So, or two, yeah. depending on how long I have to try to convince Eddie and Jason about Tom Wilson. And uh, my opinion of it, oh, they can't wait to yeah. get into that. So that'll be the first hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, then we'll let you... and then we'll talk about Canadian things. We'll we got to cap it like a 20 minutes of topic. Or else it's never going to end. It's like really never going to end. So, uh, yeah. We owe them a show anyway, so we can just do it. Yeah, we can do a long one. 
Um, Jesus if you, Christ, if you guys the gifts that a... Jason's sending in our fucking Twitter chat is insane, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you guys aren't a member of our Patreon, and that show sounds interesting. Uh, go check it out. It's patreon.com slash forevermighty. I build, what is it, $5 now to get all the bonus episodes uh, for the it's entire like month? It's like $7.50 Canadian, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, I didn't hear a word of that. But. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> You say, uh, Abby, did you say episodes or episodes? <laughs> I heard Both. shows. Shows. Yeah. Episodes. Shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> check check it out if you want it. it. It'll be one of the better ones of the year just because we're okay, talking. Someone Tom screams, screenshot go. Pat right now. Somebody. Why? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's frozen. <laughs> Woo! Frozen. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, so just. Yeah. Just, just check out our Patreon if you want to listen to that show. Good times. <laughs> Show is quickly devolving after an hour and a half here. Yep. So. Yeah. So what are we? What are we all going to drink on Saturday? It's uh, season-ending pucks and brews, which we'll do more over the summer. But uh, Pink Whitney is it? Pink Whitney season? Pink Whitney, definitely, definitely oh, for ahead. If it's in stock, I'll grab some. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short supply, Canada. Yeah, it's a Canadian delicacy. You should have it. <laughs> I think we should all have uh, to drink uh, some of it. It'll be fun. It'll be good times. Yeah. Alfonso. All right, Steven, you have to find that and Del Taco. Yeah, um, that's it. I'm going to really make sure I completely screw my system. <laughs> um, Sugary pink. Yeah, yeah. One last thing I just want to say again. Uh, I know I said this on the solo show, but I think it's worth you saying. You love me. Here. Thank you. I, I really, really do appreciate, and I know these guys do too, that everybody stuck with us through what was a long year, even if it was a shorter year by games played. Uh, this was a uh, this was an experience, as let's what we'll, we'll say. But I, you know, I uh, I really appreciate you guys all hanging out with us and doing this with us and going on this ride. And uh, I appreciate these fine gentlemen for letting me come and crash their party a little bit and hang out with them for the year. So it'll be a it'll be a fun summer. We're hoping to do some dumb stuff and some weird stuff. And uh, hopefully next year we have something positive to look forward to. Can't wait. Listen, we've been doing Forever Mighty for three years. We haven't had anything positive to talk about. <laughs> we're, just, we're just coasting until the good times, man. Good times, man. Steven, you were you're pouring your heart out there. And Dave commented in the chat, no one listened to you on the solo show. <laughs> Dave is such a like he's such a closet asshole. Like everyone meets him, like oh Dave's the nicest guy, and then he becomes this guy behind the you scenes. You don't know Dave. Just, he's not. Dave's a, Dave's a mean bastard. Uh, Dave's a bad bad boy. Dalton had a quick question about uh, FM three stars. Uh, we ha I'm going through and figuring out all the winners for every month, except I think I did the first month. So I think I've got three three months I've got to go through. And calculate it, and we owe a prize to the the original winner, who is also a Patreon member of ours. So, we are we are working on it, slowly going through and and calculating that uh, and trying to figure that out. So trying to figure it out. We, uh, we don't have the sponsor anymore. So we've been really yeah. busy during this quarantine thing, where we got to stay at home all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, we're trying really hard to muster up the effort. It's getting figured out, but uh, with with the Patreon show coming up on Saturday, we are uh, planning on doing a Seattle expansion preview soon, another draft preview, uh, eventually a draft recap and a free agency preview uh, are all coming up before July. Uh, we've got some interviews planned for the summer as well, and I know we are planning and potentially doing some stuff 
with the goals playoff games uh, that are, are coming up starting on Tuesday. Uh, we might do something with that too. So we got a lot of content coming up. Stay tuned for that. You can you know, check it out on social media or whatever. We'll, we'll be posting every time uh, we do a show and it all kicks off on Saturday with Pucks and Brews. So. And apparently we have a website. Yeah. We've yeah. had one for years. <laughs> Literally years. Apparently. Years. I mean, I, this is all I'm, I'm first hearing about this today. So That's where the... Uh, are you insane? Are you insane? Yeah, that's, that's like the worst. I'm just saying we ever. haven't really promoted it, so now would probably be a good time. Now that everyone's tuned out and it's just us four, it's good times. Well, let's sign the off website, for the night, boys. I was just gonna say the website is where the uh, how-to for Jay's uh, headphones is, which is why he's never yeah, seen oh, it. It's real simple. Reset your laptop. You're good to go. Don't buy a PC. Buy a Mac. Uh, All right, guys. All right. Have okay. a great night, everybody. Bye, everybody, Bye, guys.